One of the things that I, I think that a customer marketer can bring to the table is that interdepartmental alignment. Um, I find at least at Logs, I, I found it at my previous company also, that product marketing was very closely aligned with the product team. You know, the product team says, we're doing this with the product. Product marketing says, okay, this is what it means for our audience. And then they just create this. They have this great back and forth conversation. And what, what they're not able to do as effectively is collect that user feedback. And so because I'm talking to the account managers and to the support engineers and the success engineers, the people who are actively talking to customers every day, um, I'm able to kind of consolidate those that the feedback from our customer audience to bring it directly back to the product team to make sure that not just that the product is reflecting the customer base needs, but also that the messaging is resonating with customers. Welcome to the Product Marketing Life podcast, brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance and hosted by me, Mark Cassini, Product Marketing Manager at Jobber. Every two weeks, I pull insights from some of the world's most talented product marketers who uncover the secret sauce of successful product marketing. In this episode, I'm joined by Zoe Mork, Customer Marketing Manager at Logs.io. Zoe has held a number of marketing and sales-focused roles over the course of her career finding a natural fit in the emerging world of customer marketing. Today, Zoe and the team at Logs help cloud-native businesses monitor and secure their environments with comprehensive open-source tools. As the first customer marketer on the show, I had Zoe walk me through the role customer marketing plays within the broader sales and marketing orgs, as well as in the context of go-to-market. I thoroughly enjoyed learning more about customer marketing and the relationship between it, product marketing, and lifecycle marketing. All right, with that out of the way, let's dive in. Well, let's dive right into it then. Uh, can you walk me through your career so far and what you do at logs.io? Yeah, so I got into tech marketing um, initially as an SDR. I started at a software company selling fundraising software, and then I moved over to a cybersecurity company. And at that cybersecurity company, that's where I reached the point in my SDR career where they start to wonder what's wrong with you and why you've been an SDR for two and a half years. And you need to either start moving up in the sales org or pivot into marketing. And at the time, the SDR team was a function of demand gen. So it was a natural fit for me to try to stay on the marketing team when there was a vacancy on the field and channel team. So I started in event marketing. Um, I mostly doing logistics for field and channel events. I did over 300 events in one year and then took over the trade show and conference strategy, which was my primary focus for two or three years. And then obviously in early 2020, all of the trade shows and conferences <laughs> went away. Um, so I used a lot of my energy then to align with our account-based marketing manager, building out the first round of virtual events. We were kind of the first on the scene in the cybersecurity space, at least with the kinds of virtual events where you send out a box of stuff and then do a class, a cooking class, cocktail class, that kind of thing. Um, and what we found in spinning up this program was that as good as they were in bringing in new logos, they were even better at accelerating customer growth cycles. So the cybersecurity company had been trying to spin up a customer marketing position for a couple of years on and off as a function of product marketing. But with my job becoming a little bit more nebulous and this obvious alignment <laughs> with customer growth, um, I took the opportunity to just jump into it straight away, 
I built out a customer marketing strategy with no customer marketing experience. It was a big adventure. And then a little less than a year ago, I came over to Logos.io to do a very similar thing. They already had a customer marketing program in place, but it had been much more focused on content and advocacy and much less on demand generation. So that's what my focus is now. I report up to the VP of marketing and my primary focus is helping our account managers grow their accounts as quickly as possible. Very cool. And yeah, you're the first customer marketer that I've had the pleasure of having on the show. So I'd love to just dig in a little bit there because I'm not sure many product marketers uh, have had the chance to work with customer marketers as they did. I know I personally haven't had a function dedicated to that in any org that I've worked at. So I think it'd be great if you could give our listeners an overview of what you know the typical day-to-day looks like as a customer marketer and, and what your primary responsibilities are. I know you touched on a few just now, but if you can go any deeper, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the role of the customer marketer is definitely evolving a lot and it'll depend a lot on your company's maturity and your product marketing team's maturity and all of that fun stuff. And it's, it's still a very new role. I think that like, I hadn't really heard of the customer marketing manager job title until I started doing it essentially. Um, And so it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, Something that I observed when I was interviewing around before taking on this position here at Logs um, is that a lot of companies view customer marketing more as a function of product marketing, where they're working really closely with the product product marketing managers to generate case studies and leverage customer experiences to create product marketing content. And other companies look at customer marketing more the way that Logs does as a demand gen function where we're focused on pipeline dollars and kind of twisting traditional demand gen practices into the existing customer lifecycle. So that being said, my day-to-day looks different almost every day. Um, One of the things that I really like about being a customer marketing manager is that I'm very cross-functional. You know, I work really closely with sales as well as support, as well as success, as well as product marketing, demand gen, digital marketing, community, DevRel. There's a little bit of everything. Um, I spend a lot of my time meeting one-on-one with our sales team to build out kind of account-based tactics for each of their accounts, helping them penetrate the customers that are not being communicative. I'm involved in our PLG motion because... Uh, something that I consider to be a truism of of customer marketing is that a customer isn't a customer necessarily when money is exchanged or a contract is signed. A customer becomes a customer the first time they put hands on your product, so to speak. So in in my case, we get most of our new users from our free trial. And so even though we haven't gotten any money from them, they're still customers and that they're interacting with the product. And part of my concern is making sure that they're having a great experience and that all of the fantastic enablement resources that product marketing and success have put together are made as available as possible. So I spend a lot of time digging into those fun projects as well as um, sourcing case studies, driving reviews, doing all the things that you think of whenever customer marketing first comes to mind. Yeah, I also own our partners management platform, which is not a customer marketing thing. It's just the way that I am. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's as you were kind of given that overview of, of what you do, it does sound like at least customer marketing at logs is very much in the same place where product marketing is, is in a lot of orgs where product marketing is new or just in general where it was, let's call it, 
you know, two to three years ago as this new function within the marketing org. So it, interesting, and maybe we'll touch on a little bit deeper what some of those growing pains have looked like uh, in your experiences and maybe in the broader customer marketing community that you're a part of. Um, you know, and, and we'll we'll get into this a little bit later in more detail, but you mentioned kind of those two ways of approaching customer marketing, kind of being more product marketing support oriented and more demand gen support oriented. So um, what was the decision at Logs at least in having your customer marketing role be more demand gen oriented? Were there certain dynamics of how Logs operates as customers? Was it a strategic decision? Just curious kind of what the thinking behind that was. Yeah, I think it was definitely strategic. Um, our leadership has been looking at the economic situation very carefully for for a while. So they were very preemptive about the perspective of a potential economic downturn. And just the way that our product resonates with customers means that we tend to land small and then expand. And they wanted to really lean into that motion. And put a lot of effort and energy into, or honestly, more more energy into growing existing customer accounts than into spending a lot of energy trying to get new customers. New customers are great. New logos are great. But the majority of our pipeline comes from existing business. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it does sound like, you know, product marketing at a lot of org often is responsible for doing so much that it's not possible. And there's not enough time in the day, especially if there's one product marketing manager to really do all those different things well. So I think what we're starting to see is a lot of these once known as product marketing focused areas being split off into these dedicated functions. Competitive intelligence is one that I've seen and I've talked to a number of people, you know, it's kind of exploding in a way and having these dedicated roles. It sounds like customer marketing is almost that next frontier because it, product marketing oftentimes does get pulled into a lot more of those top of funnel conversations mm-hmm. where it sounds like, at the decision at logs, they really want customer marketing focusing on that, you know, you know, expanding and generating as much value as possible from the customers that they already have, which makes a ton of sense as you explained it. So I appreciate kind of giving that insight. Yeah, it's it's an interesting conversation to look at. So it's an interesting way to look at it because I I think that a lot of people still look at the sales function as just the, the sales and the demand gen function is just the you know the funnel. Like you fill the funnel with leads, you turn the leads into customers. And then the problem with that funnel model is that nothing happens once they get into whatever the funnel is draining into. And so that's what my concern is, is that are we draining into a little mug? Are we draining into a big pond? What, where is the funnel going? And then is that just a bigger funnel? Like that's that's kind of where I'm looking at it. And I think that's also why um, lifecycle marketing is kind of another conversation happening in this space. Um, because it's not just filling a funnel and now a customer is a customer. It's how are we supporting those customers, not just to keep them, but to grow them. And then also how are we leveraging those customers to get those new logos in the door? Because as, as important as my job is, and as obsessed as I am with growing customers, like new logos do have to get in the door, whether it's my problem or not. Yes, absolutely. And we'll get into how lifecycle marketing plays into this interesting relationship between customer and product marketing, lifecycle marketing in a second. Uh, but on the concept of this, kind of your focus on the funnel, would you say as a customer marketer, you're more focused on catching customers before they fall out of the funnel or moving them down and extracting as much value as they kind of work their way through? I think it's probably a little bit of both. Um, a lot of what I do, you know, cause like a happy customer 
we'll do one of two things and they'll either expand naturally. Uh, one of the ways that we drive upsell dollars is just by getting more data into our system. Logs.io is a is a an observability solution for DevOps engineers. Um, and so the way that we get more dollars from customers is to get more data into the system. So a happy customer will grow naturally just because they're happy with the system, their business grows, their needs change. Um, the other thing that happens with happy customers is that they stop talking to you, right? Like it's hard that what sales is at its root or what sales should be at its root is solving a problem. And if your customers don't have a problem, then they don't need you to solve anything for them. So it's this interesting like push and pull of not finding friction, but finding opportunity and tying it to the potential for pain to solve those problems for customers before they become problems. No, I love that. And it, it, I like that framing of, you know, good customers and happy customers you don't hear from because they're in a good, you know, they're in a good spot. So it's about yep. uncovering those opportunities to get in touch with those customers, understand why they're happy, make them even happier where possible and getting them to, you know, invest as much of their own time and, and ideally money in the product as possible. So I, I like that framing because it's not one yep. I've heard very often. So thanks for that. And it's it's a, it's kind of the same conversation around um, advocacy efforts like case studies and reviews. You know, usually nobody leaves a review unless they're angry or really, really, really happy. And obviously, we only want the really happy reviews, and we only want the successful case studies. We don't want the churned case studies. Um, so it's similar needs from the customer to get both of those apps, both the money and the advocacy. Um, so it's, it's always, it's always a push and pull between both, both sides of it. hundred percent. Well, let's shift gears ever so slightly and, and dig deep in, you know, the meat of the conversation I wanted to have with you today. And, you know, in the build up to our conversation, you, you mentioned this recent shift that you've noticed around customer marketing and go to market. Would you be able to just share that observation and explain why you think it's happening? Yeah. So I'm in a number of customer marketing communities as well as product marketing communities, and one of the conversations that I've seen a lot, a lot of people are asking questions around how you prove the value of your customer marketing efforts. So if customer marketing is pivoting from this content advocacy focus to this demand generation, go-to-market pipeline growth focus, there is more need to prove the value of the advocacy efforts to prove that they are demand gen materials and strategies and tactics. So there's always a conversation happening about how do we say that this case study drove however many dollars instead of so instead of having success be measured by, you know, I got seven new case studies this year and I got us from a 4.3 to a 4.6 on whatever review site. It's saying because we're a 4.6 on this review site, these 10 customers or the, these 10 logos became customers. And it's, it is a challenging value proposition. It requires a lot of conversation um, with sales one-on-one. -on -one. That kind of thing is very hard to track like via traditional UTM, Salesforce, witchcraft that I, <laughs> I let other people deal with. But at least every other day, someone is asking like, how do you prove that these, these customer marketing activities are creating value, measurable value? for your company. Um, and, and I think that's because of the economic climate to a certain extent, you know, we're all trying to prove that we're as valuable as possible. Um, but also it's just because marketing is 
almost always, I mean, especially since I've come up through the demand gen side of things, it's always about measuring everything. And a lot of times when we have conversations as like, I have this conversation with our digital marketing manager a lot. And then it's always like mind blowing to talk to a content marketing manager and hear that their brain isn't in the same place at all. But we almost don't want to do things if we can't measure exactly what the effect is, um, which is totally different um, to a, a lot of marketing conversations and mind space. So I think that just there this constant need to prove via measurable metrics that all of your activities are valuable is really important specifically right now. Yeah, absolutely. And then again, that I think you're right. I think an element of that is being driven by the economic climate and, you know, the kind of pressure on businesses to quantify the impact of their activities and even specific roles. But I think too, if I can pose an, uh, another reason why that might be the case is customer marketing, again, to my knowledge, is a relatively new function. Like I think about where product marketing was, as I said earlier, two to three years ago, being kind of the new marketing kid on the block. I remember similar questions being asked in various communities and even, you know, amongst fellow product marketers you know, I'm the solo product marketer. I'm new to the marketing team. How do I demonstrate impact within the first, you know, 60, 90 days? How can I quantify the things that I'm doing when I'm building user personas and, you know, doing competitive Intel. And I think that's just the nature of being a relatively new function is, okay, you're new here. You know, we want to start seeing results. What are those results? And figuring out how to quantify them, I think is just a, a challenge that's inherent of, of, of that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So on the topic of, of metrics, then, you know, Talk about the the role of customer marketing and kind of the demand gen and go to market effort. Uh, you know, often those metrics, I, I think, ideally should be outlined during the development of the go to market strategy. You want to be asking, okay, if, if this is the approach that we're going to take, how are we going to measure whether or not we're being successful in that approach? So, in that larger conversation, then, what role does customer marketing play in helping product marketing define the broader go to market strategy, whether that's specific to those metrics or beyond them? Yeah, um, and I think it's potentially a really complicated answer, but it doesn't have to be, I guess. I don't know. Um, so one of the things that I, I think that a customer marketer can bring to the table is that interdepartmental alignment. Um, I find at least at Logs, I, I found it at my previous company also that product marketing was very closely aligned with the product team. You know, the product team says, we're doing this with the product. Product marketing says, okay, this is what it means for our audience. And then they just create this. They have this great back and forth conversation. And what, what they're not able to do as effectively is collect that user feedback. And so because I'm talking to the account managers and to the support engineers and the success engineers, the people who are actively talking to customers every day, um, I'm able to kind of consolidate those that the feedback from our customer audience to bring it directly back to the product team to make sure that not just that the product is reflecting the customer-based needs, but also that the messaging is resonating with customers. Um, because there's always so much great stuff going on. Like the product marketing team is always developing new things, um, putting them on the website, but then you have to make sure that customers see them. <laughs> and I think that it's, I definitely saw it at my previous company where things would be developed, new white papers would be published and we'd put them on the website and we'd put them on social and we'd push them through ads. And then we would realize like, oh wait, I don't know if any customers actually read this. I found a lot of times that like 
customer facing materials were wildly out of date, not necessarily in terms of messaging, but in terms of branding. And so customers end up being kind of forgotten. It kind of goes back to that sales funnel metaphor, like they go through the funnel and then what? And so what I bring as a customer marketer to the product team and the go-to-market strategy is kind of reminding everyone like, hey, but also the customers, <laughs> what do the customers feel and think about this? Especially now, whenever we need to think about growth as much as new logos. Yeah, I think that's really helpful framing. Uh, you know, I think about, again, we mentioned this a little bit earlier in our conversation around product marketers being so busy, they can't possibly do it all. And it sounds like to me, based on what you're saying is, you know, at logs, at least product and product marketing have this good relationship where during the development of new functionality or when launching a new product, they're, you know, working together to identify where the opportunities are, what customers feel about potential functionality. But it sounds like, you know, once that functionality or that product is in market, you know, product and product marketing are moving on to the next thing, right? It's always this constant struggle of like, okay, well, we've got this coming out next. And then after that, if there's this, and I've even experienced it myself, I don't have the time as a product marketer to then go ask customers, hey, we launched this thing three months ago. How do you feel about it? Unless you have like the built-in feedback loops in product to capture that dynamically, that oftentimes gets missed. And not because companies don't think it's important or product marketers don't value that feedback. They just don't possibly have the time to have those conversations. So it sounds like customer marketing has really been empowered to come in and have those conversations and then act as that customer-facing feedback loop back to product and product marketing. Because at the same time, sales is often too busy to have those conversations because they're just focusing on the next opportunity, the next opportunity. They don't have the time to ask customers or potential customers, hey, how do you feel about this thing we launched three months ago, right? That's just not where their mind's at. So I, I love that framing because I think there's so much value that a customer market, marketer can bring to that relationship that product and product marketing just sometimes doesn't have the time for. Yeah, I, I find myself really regularly just being like a third voice in the conversation. Um, like, I'll I'll ask sales for, you know, I think that this customer account would be great for a case study. Who should I talk to? And they'll say, well, actually, like, I don't want to ask them because I already have this ask on their plate. But if you ask them, you know, maybe they'll talk to you. I can't get them to answer my emails about this renewal coming up, but they might talk to you about this blog that you want them to write. And then I can help sales get the conversation started because I, I can say like, no, this person definitely still works there for the, the product marketing team and for the products team. Um, I'm, I'm able to consolidate kind of that customer feedback and bring it back to them. Say, I have a, a really like concrete example from my very first month at Logs. Like I was still trying to figure out like what our product does and who could possibly need this thing and why is open source the way that it is and all of that fun stuff. And we had the product marketing team spun up a new demonstration video of a new feature or something. And they were like, great, here's a video. And I was like, okay, great. This seems like it'd be perfect for customers who are wanting to figure out what I'm trying to figure out. Where does it go? And so they're like, it'll go on this website. And I was like, okay. So I asked our digital marketing manager, like, do, you, do customers come to this website? Because this is where this video that's for customers lives. And the answer was no. Four, like four customers had been to that specific website. And looking at... Kind of because like that's it's a great piece of content marketing, but it's not a great demand gen asset if nobody's using it. So because I'm kind of looking at it from both perspectives, that's that's kind of what my value with product marketing team can be. Looking to propel your product, prove your strategic value, and transform your career prospects? Sign up for Product Marketing Certified Core 
the comprehensive product marketing course designed with current and aspiring product marketers in mind. Boost your confidence and competence as a multifaceted expert by journeying through 11 key modules, 128 exam questions, and more than 20 actionable templates with training on pricing strategies, market research, messaging and positioning, go-to-market, and more. By the end, you'll earn a certification accredited by the Chartered Institute of Marketing and the CPD Certification Service, trusted by thousands of your peers and sought after by brands like HubSpot, Google, TikTok, and Adobe. We mean it when we say you're learning from the best of the best. So if you're looking to transition into product marketing or become a strategic growth machine in your current role, take the leap and get certified. Outside of what you just referenced in the broader kind of go-to-market that we were talking about earlier, where else does product marketing and customer marketing partner with one another? Um, yeah, so a lot of ways. I mean, I, I sync with them pretty closely. I really rely on product marketing to help me with the more technical messaging and making sure that what I'm working on from a demand gen perspective is using is targeting the personas correctly. I, I rely on them to really understand the audience because our audience is very technical. And I have a degree in theater and I have no idea what's going on. So I, I have a vision, I have an idea for a webinar, but I require support from product marketing to make sure that what we're producing is valuable to the customers. Um, the other thing that I align with them really closely on is case studies. So I'll I'll find I'll, I'll identify targets for case studies or or I'll identify case studies that have been published that may need to be updated and I'll work with the account team and with the customers directly to get interviews scheduled but then product marketing I need someone more technical to actually have the conversation and then once we've had an interview established that's usually enough for me to run with it and make sure that a video gets done and a write-up gets published on the website and then that case study is shared with the sales team so that they know like if you're trying to get this kind of customer this case study might be very valuable to you um so in summation the the biggest thing is that like i bring a kind of tactical demand gen lens to what product marketing is doing and I need their support from the technical persona evaluation standpoint. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's something that I've often seen um, at, you know, companies that sell more technical software, more technical solutions, product marketing often acts almost as like that translation layer between the really technical product teams and developers developing the technical aspects of the product and the customers. But it sounds like in this scenario, you almost have a bit of a buffer between not necessarily a buffer, maybe that's a negative connotation, but you are kind of, you know, product marketing is acting as that translation layer. You're taking that information and getting it to the right customer in the right context. And they're making sure that, you know, you're doing it not necessarily in the right way, but you're using it in a way that makes sense for the specific customer you're talking to using language that they would be comfortable with making it that technical information digestible, but also not seem just like marketing fluff. So it's an interesting dynamic that it sounds like uh, is at play. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. Um, because you're right, product marketing does tend to be what translates the products team into marketing jargon. And then something somewhere that I fit in is turning even that product marketing kind of language can be too technical from a demand gen perspective. 
Like our audience is technical. They do want to like get into the nitty gritty, but we can't do that if they're not opening the email. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm able to kind of be another layer of translation um, from the product team to the end user. Yeah, and it sounds like in a way you're almost acting kind of like a relationship manager with specific customers. Because again, like you said earlier, it's different when the account manager or the SDR is following up months later after a deal's been closed or a customer's been onboarded with another request, as opposed to someone such as yourself, who the customer you know knows well, they know you're not trying to sell them on anything. You're just kind of trying to enrich that relationship or leverage them for for content that would help again, like keep the the funnel moving. Um, so I, again, I would imagine that you probably have a, a, a lot closer relationship with some of these customers than, you know, a product marketer might even because a product marketer is kind of looking at like the whole customer base and has that huge kind of, kind of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're able to be a little bit more one-on-one direct relationships with these customers and these logos. Is that is that fair to say? I think so. And I think that um, it's definitely, this is a, this is one of those situations where like, it definitely depends on company to company and sales manager to sales manager. Some account managers like will say, no, don't talk to my customers. <laughs> don't do it. Um, but like my name is on the newsletter. So, so hopefully people who interact with customer facing materials, I'm not a total stranger to them. Uh, oh, we found out today, the digital marketing manager and I found out today that the Drift bot on our website for our upcoming webinar puts my face on it to say, hey, customers, come to our upcoming webinar. Um, so that was a fun development. But yeah, I, it's it's kind of just like, a, I, I'm not selling them on anything. I do have an ask, but that ask, like the, the ask for a customer to help us with a case study or speak for us at an event, it's it's as helpful to them if they're trying to establish themselves as thought leaders in the space, uh, we're able to give them that platform. And so it's not just like, give us $40,000 and your name on this contract. It's let's, let's help us take your career to the next level, not just from, you know, making your, your job easier, but also giving you a platform. For sure. And I would imagine because you have that close relationship with some of those clients and some of those customers, when product marketing comes to you with an ask to say, Hey, you know, we want to you know, do this case study or we want to generate this type of content to speak to this type of user persona, who do you think fits that bill best? And, and what relationships do you have with customers? You can kind of act as that filter in a way. Cause again, like, you know, depending on the size of your company, as you said, your customer base could be thousands, tens of thousands of customers. And a product marketer, I remember, you know, being asked, oh, well, we need a case study. It's like, where do I even start to begin? Do I just send out like a mass email to customers in this vertical or meet these criteria and hope that I get a response? And then, oh no, I got, Plenty of responses. I can't possibly do 20 case studies, but with a customer marketer on board, because you have those close relationships and you just know the customer base that well and that intimately, product marketer can go to you and say, hey, we need to do this case study. Who do you recommend? And I would imagine it's a lot easier for you to just be able to say, oh, you know, I can think of three companies that fit that bell perfectly. Let's, I know this person at that company. I'll go email them right now and see what they think. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a great point. Um, we, I mean, we see that a lot with analyst relations, which our product marketing team, like they're, they're the ones who, who manage all of our analyst relations. Um, so whenever we need references like for Gartner or whoever, um, yeah, it, it does frequently come across my desk to, to say like, which customer could, who's in Germany that could possibly be interested in doing this webinar. Um, and kind of the other thing is that like, even that isn't super scalable. And so it comes down to customer marketers to also build out kind of 
pro programs that make it easier to identify those so so that whenever more and more requests come in as a company grows um you're not having to do those big thought experiments like oh gosh who could possibly the, be the right customer for this case study or that reference or what have you it's 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 all documented in salesforce like a good little demand gen manager <laughs> that's awesome and, and there is is product or product marketing ever coming to you on the flip side saying hey you know we're working on this piece of functionality who would you recommend in terms of maybe seeing benefit from participating in alpha or a beta or doing user testing, are they coming to you for that as well? Or is that managed on their end independently from customer marketing? No, we've definitely had that conversation. Um, one of the things I did really early on here at logs was try to spin up an early adopters team, um, kind of a group of customers who have already opted in to try out new features um, because we would get periodic requests from the product team. Like, we think that this is what customers could use, but we're not really sure. So can you help us figure it out? And I just wanted to make that more of a, again, like make it more scalable so that every time we have this ask from the products team, we can just turn it on for, you know, these 200 people who have opted in to be an early adopter. Um, we've encountered some friction along the way, but it's a conversation that we're always kind of circling back to, like, is now the right time? And that's another thing, like, the right customer marketer can turn those asks into pipeline dollars. When customers feel like they're part of something, they're less likely to churn. And so when they can say like, Logs.io, this tool that I use every day, depends on me and my feedback to continue to improve, they probably don't, <laughs> they're not gonna be the ones who are excited to try to replace us. Absolutely. And so just going back until I get into my last question here, we mentioned lifecycle marketing earlier. And in my mind, I think product marketing and lifecycle marketing and customer marketing are kind of this new wave within the broader marketing org of functions that are adding real value to not just a marketing org, but the entire org. Um, curious what the relationship looks like between customer marketing and lifecycle marketing at logs, or if you've observed it with other customer marketers that you talk to, what does that relationship look like? Yeah, I know that some organizations have functions specifically built around lifecycle marketing. That's not the case at Logs. Um, but just looking at it as a concept, I think that that's where the industry just fully is heading. Like there's a lot of conversations happening, at least in my space, in, in you know the, the DevOps space around product-led growth. And that just seems to like fit right alongside the idea of lifecycle marketing, where it's not just about getting, a, it's not, it, again, it's about moving away from that funnel model and more into the, I mean, I, I see it as less of a funnel and more of a circle where someone looks at your tool, they adopt it on a small scale, they grow, and then hopefully they become advocates and then you can use those materials to bring other logos into the same kind of whirlpool of feedback and growth and feedback and growth. Um, and then, where where product and then whenever you break it out a little bit more granularly, I can see we're in a very technical space like I'm in right now. You rely then on product marketing to help segment that big whirlpool of feedback to make sure that the right personas are providing feedback to the right people within the company to make sure that the right people within the company are putting the right messages in front of the new people to get them back into the customer life cycle. Um, 
so there's a lot of moving pieces, but it just it just seems to make sense and be more sustainable than just imagining this funnel that just goes kind of nowhere. Yeah, I, I agree. And, it, you know, like you said, it's it's about figuring out which teams make the most sense to engage with customers at the various stages of that kind of flywheel um, to borrow a very overused business term um, and making sure that the right touch points are happening and being driven by the right teams to extract the most value from both sides of the relationship, not just from the customer in terms of dollars, but that the, you know, we're communicating the right value to the right customer at the right time so that they're getting the benefit for their spend. And hopefully that, you know, eventually leads to expansion or just retention in general. So yeah, I, I definitely see what you're, what you're arguing there. Well, well, Zoe, this has been fantastic. Like I said, I see a lot of parallels between where customer marketing is and where product marketing was not that long ago. So it's interesting to hear the perspective of someone in that position at some of the growing pains, as we said, some of the experiences where the value is being added and kind of where the responsibilities across product marketing, customer marketing, and even lifecycle marketing are being shared. So I can't thank you enough for sharing that. Um, before I let you go, though, I want to ask you a question that I've asked all my guests more recently, and I'm going to tweak it ever so slightly given that you're in customer marketing, and that's What's an area of focus within the realm of product marketing or customer marketing that you think product marketers or customer marketers will have to pay extra attention to this year more so than in previous years? Um, the the answer that I have for this question, I'm sure, is an answer that you've heard before and we'll hear again. And it's the impact of chat GPT and AI-generated content. Um, I think that it's going to be a challenge for less experienced teams to not use it as a crutch. Like chat, I think that chat, chat GP2 is a great tool. I use it all the time for ideation and brainstorming. Um, a, a big challenge that the marketing team at Logs.io has is that half of us are in Israel and half of us are in the US. And so it's really hard for us to all come together and brainstorm because we're only awake and working for like two hours a day. And we have tactical business things to do, not like sit around and figure out like puns to put on a booth. So whenever it's time to do that kind of thing, I get a ton of mileage out of chat GPT just to like spit out 10 ideas that I can then tweak and put into a spreadsheet and turn into something else. Um, but I have found that some companies are using it as a crutch, using it to write emails or social media posts or what have you. And then I'm also finding that it's impacting the advocacy space because in a world where customer marketers very frequently are giving out $25 Amazon gift cards in exchange for reviews, um, the right developer can figure out how to hack chat GPT to write a whole bunch of reviews and try to get as many $25 gift cards as possible. So um, I've already seen that happen. Um, like if you, if you look at reviews written in the last six weeks, I think that on a lot of vendors, you'll find that there's a lot, just a lot of reviews that are they, a little bit too similar or like fit in kind of a weird customer audience pattern. Um, and that's, that can be potentially really damaging because like those aren't genuine reviews and it just really, it, it's, it's a challenge. <laughs> it's funny. Um, but it's also a really good opportunity to really emphasize that person-to-person -person communication. Um, when I was building out customer marketing strategies for the first time, what I kept coming back to was just like a big part of what customer marketing is, is humanizing all of the marketing stuff that product comes up with, that demand gen comes up with. And it's helping everyone remember that at the end of the day, the people using our product are people. 
and that we need to make them feel like our product is a seamless part of their workday. Like we never want to be another point of friction to try to get them to come to a webinar or what have you. Like that's not the point. The point is that we are humans <laughs> and our customers are also humans, presumably for now. And we need their feedback to make our jobs easier, to make their jobs easier. So. Yeah, no, I think that's a great observation. And I, and I think you're right. You know, if it seems like every other day there's an article being written about you know, such and such company is writing content driven by whether it's articles. I, I there's some been some you know uh, journalistic publications that I've seen kind of being caught red-handed with uh, using AI-generated articles, and um, I hadn't heard of the reviews. That's an interesting one, and definitely an exploit. I'm sure a lot of people will be keeping an eye on because yeah, it's if you can make it work, a great way to gain the system, I guess. But yeah, the repercussions of that, as you said, could be pretty nasty. So um, thanks for sharing that. I think you're right. Like you know, generative AI is in a hot topic since I feel like the last, really the start of this year even, um, but I think it's only gonna get more attention and you know, as uh, in product marketers, customer marketers who wanna do their best work, it's important to identify where the value can be added. And I think you're right, brainstorming, coming up with potential ideas and then evolving and building off those to, to write really bespoke or, or value add content is, is where there's gonna be a ton of value from using those tools. But you definitely don't wanna get in a kind of situation where you're leaning so heavily on them that you can't do your job without them. Um, so yeah, good observation. Thanks for sharing that. Fortunately, I don't think that we're too close to it yet. I I, I used the booth brainstorming example and I, I did that exercise yesterday with ChatGPT. And one of the things that spat out was Logs.io is the logging solution that logs about logging. So like, I, I don't think that, <laughs> I don't think that's correct. Um, so, you know, it's trying, but not, not quite there yet. We're, our jobs are still safe. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, awesome. Well, like I said, Zoe, this has been fantastic. I really love spending the time with you to learn more about customer marketing. Like I said, it's an evolving area of marketing that I know is getting a ton of attention. And I think product marketers really need to be informed about because there is a ton of value to be extracted between product marketing and customer marketing working very closely together as you've demonstrated throughout the conversation. So thanks for your time. Before I let you go, if anybody does want to reach out, maybe they are you know, looking to spin up their own customer marketing function. Maybe product marketing is identifying a need to have a dedicated customer marketing resource and they want to you know, reach out to you to, to figure out the best way to go about that. Uh, how can they get in touch? Yeah, um, LinkedIn is probably the best way. Um, I'm Zoe with a Y, Mork with a CK. Uh, my LinkedIn slug is Zoe for marketing, all one word. Um, so that's, that's the best way to get in touch with me. Um, I, I would love to be a resource to people who are, who are trying to build something out of nothing. That's happening at a lot of places, a lot of startups. A lot of people are stepping into customer marketing roles that are being created for the first time. Um, and the other thing is that there's a ton of thought leadership about customer marketing, but a lot of those thought leaders are, their customers are sales and marketing people. So they want to be in the spotlight. And whenever you have a very technical audience, like in cybersecurity or DevOps, our audience is less excited about being in the spotlight. So we have a different set of problems and a lot of thought leadership in customer marketing is ready to talk about. Um, so anybody who wants to talk about that, I would love to dig into it. I'm sure you'll definitely get some people picking up on this offer after uh, listening to this episode. So again, you so, so much for your time today, Zoe. I really enjoyed our chat. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Have a good one. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer, 
and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic, or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to spot to an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.